Good morning. This is a wonderful morning this morning here on Blue Lotus Radio. And um, we're going to be starting again. Sorry for that. Um, we have to sometimes just start again. So to this morning we're starting again. So I welcome you all to Blue Lotus Radio. And... Um, so we're going to be t t dealing with a very, very difficult topic this morning, an ex exceptionally beautiful topic actually, but difficult, very difficult indeed. So um, we are going to now, well, let me introduce it to you. Uh, uh, I don't know if the first one went, my introduction went through, and then we had a bit of a glimmer. Uh, uh, gremlin here in the studio, so I'm going to reintroduce it to, to this morning, and um, we are recording, yes, we are recording, and so let me introduce it again this morning. So, uh, Annika Lima wrote to me to introduce this morning to me, and she said, um, uh, this is what she said, what really is suicide? What happens to the desperate soul that enters into this godless act? Why is suicide so prevalent now today in this global psychic cyber media war? Why do children as young as six years of age commit suicide? Al Moria has said people will do better if they knew or know better. Let's look at this from an ascended master teaching point of view that offers um, fruit of release from this murderous intent imposed upon mankind today. And this uh, abortion and is abortion not somehow linked in a similar manner to the same effect? For both remove the soul from the physical octave immediately with tremendous pain and suffering. This is the key mood point this time uh, we in this time we face and must be addressed. We can no longer just ignore it, hoping it will go away. Namaste, says Anna Kalima. So welcome, uh, Anna Kalima, to our uh, talk show this morning. And um, we are now live. I can hear we are streaming. And we are recording. So, good morning. Good morning, Ralph. <laughs> nice to have you here again, Anna Kalima, and looking forward to this difficult but interesting, very interesting um, discussion we're going to have this morning. I think um, what sponsored me on this was actually triggered last week when I came across um, in my search for world events on certain statistical levels of certain, if you would say, um, trends that are taking place in the socio-dynamics of mankind, where he is, where people are right now in, you know, this very present moment that we are living through. And something jumped out at me very strongly was that there has been a marked increase by 37% oh of goodness. suicide. That is very high. 
What? Suicides since COVID has shot up by 37%. Wow. Okay, and <coughs> varying in its categories of whether it's children and adults and apparent, and I say this a little bit scathingly, apparent reasons why. Um, but it's also very high with children and young mothers. Hmm. So this is a very interesting thing, you see. For me, it immediately called me to become very somber and to do some inner reflecting and prayer work as well. And in the cognizance of this, in the inner contemplation of it, in my soul, I was sponsored and asked, would you care to comment on this for and on behalf of the Brotherhood and obviously with that divine input that always comes with this work. Since then I've been contemplating it. I wrote out my subtitles and then uh, a couple of days later I sent them to you. So I've been preparing for this for almost on a week already. Right. right. Because it is, if you remember, we discussed death not so long ago and yes. it's actually very much in a sense a follow on from that because obviously you have the, the flip side of the coin here, you have a situation where you are as, as individuals with sets of people who are very afraid of dying um, you can pretend you're not but at the end of the day you are unless you are able through certain very highly evolved spiritual paths uh, like um, Tibetan Buddhism for one and so on and so forth and certain of the Gnostic teachings of Jesus Christ and obviously the teachings of the Ascended Masters are able to overcome your inner dilemmas because you contemplate death I started contemplating death in my 20s determined to overcome anything that is paralytic in its fear syndrome regarding it because from a young woman I always had and still do to this hour uh, found myself to be deeply deeply moved by always wanting to go and help people who are dying I've done life bereavement counseling um, for hundreds of people um, all over the world not just here in South Africa um, at one stage I had a very large um, international clientele these are people who moved freely in traveling and so on and so forth and a lot of them would come for that because of the intense process which I followed up through on it um, having also experienced death in my own personal karmic situation is not a stranger to me I didn't just speak of something that I felt for I actually entered into the very spiral of death to find out what it was with my late mother so it's in that that such a topic you see Ralph would catch my eye very deeply I have been aware for a while where every now and then in a kind of peekaboo situation it's like you get little messages that pop up on your screen it pops up in my mind that um, I'm aware that there is here there and everywhere that is in various nations around the world this reference that's coming up to suicide again um, even if it is purely on a pragmatic level um, where perhaps 
the Department of Health in some of the various countries and so on, and Home Affairs, and say these statistics are soaring, they're going higher. And they don't, you know, add any further to that because, you know, obviously they're not going to. So you start to build a little bit of a portfolio um, in the back of your mind and you, because it's starting to impinge upon your comfort zone and it needs to be dealt with. And I thought perhaps it might be in this very strategic time because we are facing Christmas. And you know, it's surprising because even the Buddhists uh, celebrate Christmas. Some of the lamas <laughs> put on Christmas hats and things and they celebrate the birth of Christ with the Christian world. They're, they're very, very advanced set of individuals. So it's not that it's just limited only to the Christian sects. It's actually celebrated in amazing places around the world. You wouldn't believe possible. I've even seen images of remote villages and things in places like South America where they celebrate Christmas. Somehow managed to get all the, the proverbial red hat with a white pom-pom on and a few presents and things. Because it's always the joy of the present moment that we open the gift of life, you see, which is what these presents should truly represent. Uh, coming back full circle, yes, it is a little bit um, noteworthy to ask ourselves why, because that's something we can ponder this morning. But let's also, apart from pondering that, because in its own, Ralph, it's pretty obvious why at the moment. But then you have to ask the question, well, you know, really what does drive a person to suicide? What drives a person to delete their life? And you can't ask that question without asking what is suicide? If you just bypass it, as a lot of people do, and I, again, that statistic would be rather huge you, because, you know, it touches on what I spoke about a couple of weeks back, death. If I'm going to enter into what suicide is, I've got to look back into what death is again, and I don't want to do that. I'm going to avoid death until it happens to me. This is tragically uh, the main bulwark, or in other words, the vast majority of mankind. There's 7 billion people on this planet. I'd say a good 6.5 billion of them, or 6 billion, either don't believe in reincarnation, or are terrified of it, or running away from it, because at the end, reincarnation still must mean that word, death. I have to die to reincarnate. I don't want to look at it. I think that's part of the reason why people don't want to approach reincarnation because you have to approach that word death again. So let's come back to it and say yes, well that is involved in it as well. But from a ascended master scientific perspective in the sense of mankind's four lower bodies, you've got the physical body, you've got the astral sheath, You've got the lower mental body, you've got the etheric body, and the higher etheric body. Okay, These are all subtle. Mankind can at this point in time, except for a handheld few around the world, only see the physical body. Sometimes we get emanations that we pick up through people's emotions in the aura to actually read what is called the sheaves. It's a word with a V in it. It's S-C-H-E-A-V-E-S, sheaves known as really it's a title for the subtle bodies very much like um, the surgical gloves isn't it when you put on a surgical glove you can still see your hand and while the surgeon is working um, it's usually made out of a kind of latex but I know for all the ladies who dye their hair a lot as I've done in my life you normally get these rather um, inferior plastic gloves that are literally made of a, a fairly 
low-grade plastic, um, which is really temporary, just so that you don't get the dye on your fingers. Uh, and you slip your hand into it, you know, and you can work away on your hand sculpt with the color so that it doesn't stain your fingers. Let's just look at that for a moment. That's a sheaf. That, that is actually a little um, vehicle. It's a little vehicle you put over your hands to avoid um, stain on your fingers. It's an interesting topic, don't you think? Now, the astral sheaf is very like that. It's see-through to, if we were ever to see it to the physical eyes, can't see it, but boy, can we feel it. Because your astral body, and the astral stands for star, which actually equivalates to all your emotions and feelings, which is normally emerges at puberty. This is what the hormonal structures of puberty are all about, is the incarnational process of um, the emotions. Now, Ralph, you and I both know over many, many years, we've discussed this subject, you and I, for over 32 years, that, um, and we know in the greater spiritual scientific teachings that it takes a human being approximately 33 years to reincarnate. Isn't it interesting? We only have, really, 35 years to get it all done after that. You're so busy incarnating. The first major incarnation where you kind of land is about 18 years, point eight months, which, as we have discussed, is the first node in the astrological chart wherein comes in a great stream of karma. But because of the descent of rapid karma, as the masters are teaching us, karma comes in as early as birth. In other words, you have disfigured bodies and so on, so mental retardation and so on. This is all karma. But your general karmas start as early as the age of three, whereas before it was coming in at puberty. But the mainstream of the emotional complement of other lives that you now have to work through in this life enters into your consciousness through the 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 mental or the fabric, the clothing of your soul with your hormones because your hormones contain the alchemical equivalent of how you're going to deal emotionally with the descent of your karma through the your your natal chart through the astral or star configurations that come through and present people's events and situations and whatever that may you may have to experience so that's also a very important topic that we can sort of add into this because a lot of people, when the karma comes in and prior to it, sense it. You sense it. You know, people today are becoming more and more and more sensitive. So, you know, I know that would happen. I know something's going to happen. And this is not some uh, sort of prophecy of doom type of attitude. It's not at all. It's an actual instinct of knowing that you know, something is coming your way. It could be that that something is more impersonal and you're feeling someone close to you. But generally, we feel our own and not others. Um, and there, therein lies a fear. Therein lies the birth of fear because we know something is coming. In fact, it's a descent of a certain amount of karma. And when these karmas come in, we can't bear it to the extent that we are emotionally paralyzed by it because that's what fear does. It paralyzes the nervous system and the will. It paralyzes the will. You become almost... Uh, the word catatonic basically means you are absolutely paralyzed you can't move you, in fact it's so intense in some people they can't even speak they, they the throat the mouth opens and there are no words coming out it's just a whisper okay and you normally see them the huge amount of stress is written over the face if they're not crying or something else is happening then they sometimes can even faint and have heart attacks because um, they can't breathe properly either the perilous situation is so intense it can actually cause the lungs to close and the heart to stop 
So now with the massive amount of changes and tremendous things that are taking place on the planet, people are terrified. They are in a state of paralytic fear and they resort to suicide thinking tragically it's a way out and it's not. Yeah, that's thank you very much for that in introduction. And it's very, very neatly put. So um, we are facing, of course, from 9.3 years, which is the other half of the node, uh, already massive uh, crisis coming into the life of the child. Uh, 9.3 years, we see all kinds of things happening in the life of the child. So, um, yeah, karma is coming in very early and there are very many reasons for that. Um, just to, just to remind us, now, Yanu, you said right in the beginning how, what the percentage increase. 37%. 37%. You know, that is an extraordinary amount of, during this COVID-19. There's an increase of 37% of suicides. That's really unbelievable. Mo Master flashed through and said it's more accurate at 47 Wow, so Master Moria says it's gone, it could even be as far high as 47. It is as high as 47. The Master has just given us that figure. Well, I mean, whew, that's nearly 50%. And um, they're all young mothers and children, you say? No, it's, it's across the spectrum, but it, there is a large focus on that. Wow. Okay, so Anakalima. Maybe you can um, describe for us, um, from your point of view, um, what actually happens with a person who is um, uh, who drives herself out of a physical embodiment, drives her out of herself. Okay, let's first look at both the trauma that drives a person to a point of absolute desperation. We're paralyzed by their fear, which is usually a number of things. It's never just one situation. Because I don't think people at heart are cowards. I think people uh, people often say that you know only a coward commits suicide. I I'm, I've known, and I have worked with a lot of people. I have lost people through suicide, and I'm sorry. I think it is very very far from it. It takes a certain amount of blind desperation which doesn't even, it actually overrides fear, Ralph. It's the most strange thing. It, it anesthetizes fear where you enter into a state of catatonia. You enter into a kind of mesmeric state, all right, and then you choose your method, all right, whatever it might be. There are many ways to cut off the live stream. Okay, let's just shelve that for a moment and look at death again. Death is the final cessation of the breath. And the beating of the heart. If you don't breathe, you will die after a certain period of time. Alright? Uh, the brain cannot function without oxygen, and neither can the heart or any part of the vital signs and humors of the body. So we know, generally speaking, what it will take. And we talk about uh, rather natural situations here, not anything else. Alright? So let's just look at that as well. And then let's look at the spiritual understanding of it, the scientific understanding of it in a moral sense. Um, and I might seem to go a little bit off the track here, but uh, bear with me for a moment. There is a complete misconception 
in society today. And by today, I mean it's actually been for quite some time. It's more prevalent since about the 1970s. Um, but it has been around for some time. Where there is, first of all, scant regard for life. We don't honor life. We don't honor it in, in the elemental world, in animals. Why do we then bother to honor it in ourselves? We don't honor it in our children. We don't honor it in those who are coming to the close of their life either. A man can have his life taken just because, never mind the cell phone in the pocket or anything else that might have been deemed worthy to steal. Um, so first of all we have to look at the fact that from a moral point of view there is a deliberate and blatant complete and utter disregard for life mingled with a complete and absolute misunderstanding of what life is. Therefore, what does that mean? We do not understand our divinity. We do not understand how precious, how sacred the Godhead is, how sacred God really is, therefore how sacred life is, and that God is, that the Ascended Masters are, the Christ is, the Buddha is, the Divine Mother is. And if you can enter into any of those arenas that you enter with you know, devotion, with principle of service and so on, you find things like your heart and so on expanding. You find your consciousness uplifting. You feel a sense of pervading honor and, and compassion and mercy and love for people in life. And the further you venture into these various paths, you find you have a lot of time for people because you've taken time for yourself to discover you are, in fact, a divine being. And the divinity really, if you want to transliterate, it means love. But immortal love, not human compromise. There are very few people who truly understand what love is. People in all earnestness, God bless them, feel that they love deeply. But when they're tested by life, they find that their love was a bit skin deep, you see. Because love must be like Jesus, where he laid down his life on that cross for us. That is love. That is divine love. That That is beyond human conception and understanding. When a human being quite literally, no matter how advanced they are, they give up the life the life flow, the body life flow of their being for others. Not just one individual, but for others, for humanity, as Jesus did. So we've got to look at this very carefully. There are a lot of very sacrilegious individuals out there who say Jesus was a myth, Buddha was a myth, and it's very boring, actually, that people can actually allow themselves to enter into such a low caliber of respect for our forefathers. It's actually quite degrading. But when we bring it back up and we understand that there are those who are earnest, there are those, and there a lot of people who are truly earnest are usually hidden and they don't go around broadcasting your, your spirituality and your religion because particularly in these times, and these times includes the whole of the last 2,000 years since Jesus' ascension, have not been easy if you look at our history just 2,000 years alone. There's been the proverbial, and I'm going to put it in this title for a reason, Witch Hunt. Uh, trying to hunt down and destroy all people who pray and serve and work and love and and honor God in all his forms, in all her forms, you see. It's, it's the last 2,000 years are strewn across the pages of history of horrific massacres and deaths and the, the Albigenses and the Crusaders and all the work that the Knight Templars did and so on and so forth and the tectonic knights and so on and so forth, all these things in history, the time of Arthur and so on, and, and we can see it, there it is, no, uh, east or west, it doesn't matter, it's there. Um, so we, we have to look at it and say, well, why? Why is this 
And if you go back further than, than Jesus, you'll see it's there too, right? To the time of Pharaoh, to the time of Moses, there's been this particular driven onslaught to deny man his divinity. Why? Why are they, and I will leave it in that capped title, why are they so afraid of mankind discovering his own divinity? Because man is immortal. And because all their semantics, once he realizes to some degree his immortality, will no longer be accepted or tolerated. So let's come all the way back now and look that history has what? A record. Therefore, those records are enmeshed in individual life streams. They're enmeshed, enmeshed sorry, in group souls. People tend to reincarnate together. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's a lot of people who have a lot of memories of things that have really, really happened to them. I have a distinct memory of being beheaded. I know I was beheaded in a, in a life going back possibly six, seven hundred years ago. I know I can still feel it. And do I tell you why I feel it, Ralph? Because these kind of wounds, when they happen so unjustly, the body doesn't let go of. Now what people don't understand either, and you well know this as well, is this body you're wearing today is the same body you had in your previous life, your previous life. It's just simply a metamorphosis of the next process of the same incarnated expression. It's not a new body in essence because the karmic vial you know, that pours into the, the mother's womb, it pours into your astral, astrological configurations when you are incarnating. That's why some people are born blind, some people are born perfect, some people are born mentally held back or emotionally held back and so on and so on and so forth. And then they seem to be normal and lo and behold in the first few years these come through cancers and goodness what and have very short embodiments. This is all the pouring of the vial of your karma. All right, so we have to look at this without getting too sort of um, technically involved in it and understand that at the end of the day, if your divinity is removed from you, if your divinity, in other words, your personal belief that there is God. Remember I said to you in one of our chats, what's the first thing anyone does, regardless of who they think they are, when they meet life death-threatening circumstances? You have a terrible car accident or you fall down and have a terrible fall. What do you do? You shout out, oh my God, help me. Why? Why do we do that, Ralph? Why do we shout that? Because deep in the subconscious, terrain cabins of the subconscious mind in, in the omega region, because you have the plus and the minus, the plus being the positive, being the alpha thrust into the matter plane, and the omega, which is the womb, which is why we have a subconscious mind, because in a sense your subconscious mind is a womb. Okay, and in the subconscious mind is all the memories of events. I take my eldest daughter, for example, who's still to this hour, she's now touching 40, has an absolute paranoidal fear of heights. You can't get this dear girl near a certain edge. You can't. In fact, I can remember when we were once in one of these, uh, um, uh, what do you call it again? These uh, we, we went to the Air Force place there once up in Johannesburg, and they had an, a museum there where they had airplanes that no longer fly, and they are turned into kind of museums, and therefore on sort of show days and so on and so forth. You take your family there and you climb up the stairs. And these are the old Viscounts, the very old aeroplanes with the big props that that sort of look absolutely amazing. And you wonder how that thing ever flew with it. But anyway, you can climb up these stairs and go on board and sit in there and so on and so on. And my daughter went with me at the time. She was a little bit disconcerted and I said, will you be all right? 
And this airplane was parked. It was moored, as they say, for life. So although its wheels were on the ground, it was also anchored very firmly with concrete into the ground with a great tripod underneath it. So um, it couldn't just kind of roll away on its wheels or whatever the case may be. It was a museum, an airtime museum. And we sat sort of midstream inside this uh, old aircraft while the tour guide was talking away. And lo and behold, my poor daughter just ended up looking like a sort of frozen piece of ice somewhere in Antarctica. And then I noticed after a moment or two, it was a very, very windy day, and the aircraft was actually being buffeted a little bit. So it actually almost gave a sense we were flying. Not for her. She, I had to actually get her off the aircraft. She went into a state of panic because she was above the ground and because she climbed up the stairs and she felt the high. She act, I had to actually take her out and calm her down, sit with her, take her blood sugar up again and, and help her. She just wept and wept for a while and then calmed down. Um, you know, you would ask yourself, what would such an experience trigger? It's triggering off the loss of your life over the edge of some kind of precipice. If we go back a little bit in time, airplanes weren't, certainly not since Atlantis. So somewhere along the line, she could have fallen off a cliff or be pushed off one, something like that, you see. And the memory of knowing, you know, there you go, that's the end of your life. You die consciously in a sense that way. Whether she went, was thrown into the sea or hit the ground in a, in a terrible manner is irrelevant. The, the fear is, I'm dying, I'm going to die in this instant. And in that instant of having thought that death, it happened, you see. So in this particular life, still to this hour, she cannot cope with anything to do with heights. Now, this yeah. is very real, Ralph. This is very real. In all my 32, <coughs> 33 years of life counseling I've done, I have helped people with tremendous traumas from previous lifetimes. It's not just, obviously, heights and so on and so forth. There are many things where we've been very badly. You yourself know that. You have a particular experience yourself, which is I uh, don't wish to discuss today, but that alone has caused you in this life tremendous, tremendous suffering. Do you see what I'm saying? So yes, no, I mean... Inherent fear of, of death is very, very paramount in all of us, particularly because since Atlantis... We've got to look at it and see that the last 14,000 years has just been a war. It's yes. just been one, and I use this word deliberately, I am not swearing, it's just been one bloody war right through the last 14,000 years of absolute barbaric manner. It's still barbaric to the very hour. There's still, why is it that these 14,000 years since Atlantis are so bloody, so violent, so aggressive, where every page in history, going back to every kind of culture, to the early cultures and so on and so forth, right to the early um, Sumerians and so on and so forth, it's just about death and war. Why? What is it that these fallen beings are trying to prevent? It's the awakening consciousness of mankind to remember his divinity, to remember that he is God. Mm. That's really uh, an amazing thought. That is, so uh, they will, they're really trying to um, the Nephilim, that must be the Nephilim you're talking about. They're really trying to stultify the awakening of humanity. Let us just have a, a small break and we'll come back and continue this very fascinating conversation with Anna Kalima. <laughs> Blessed Mary, 
We're back and we are talking uh, about a very interesting and most important subject, in fact. Um, not, a, not an easy one to talk about, I must admit, but I think very necessary. So, Anakanima. So, you know, that was very interesting what you were saying. But um, what happens when a person forces themselves out of their mortality in um, that manner? Sanakumar put it this way, our regent, our cosmic regent, and he said, they think to murder the body that they have gained control. So in other words, your soul is immortal. You can't die. There's no such thing as death. Now, you think because I said murder, I'm not talking about suicide, but according to the Great White Brotherhood, suicide is murder. Ralph. It is murder of the physical body. And what they will teach you and have been particularly, these are the teachings of Jesus Christ himself. Alright. This is his particular subject which he sponsored me to give today as well. Is that there are entities. We know that. There are all kinds of very vile creatures out there that cannot be seen by the human eye or most people. There is such a thing as a suicide entity. Just as they are, as I'm sure if I can give it to you this way, 
you, you must surely know, my beloved listeners, that there are such things as traffic entities. Hence, you have hot spots on the road where accidents always happen. Where certain things always happen. And terrible accidents keep happening because what happens is the blood that is spilt on an initial accident is gleaned up if those individuals who've died under that accident, regardless of what happened, if they are not held in their divinity, if they are not received by the light, that light is often, unfortunately, taken up by these creatures, and this is how they surrogate their own miserable astral life forms, you see. And they gather, you know, um, birds of a feather flock together as, a, as above, so below, and I'm talking about astral above, not the divine above. All right, so wherever there's carnage, in other words, you will find the carrion. Now, in, in normal fields of expression, we say carrion are the the dead pickers. You'll find the vultures, which are definitely described as carrion. They pick on the carcass of the dead, don't they? So let's look at that archetype and take it into the situation. People die, and there's a spillage of light. So we don't see the picking of the flesh of the physical body. It's carried away and, and dealt with, right? But there's a spillage of light there. And this is what these carry on after. So they come there again and again, and they gather and they gather until eventually it becomes a magnetic spot, becomes a certain spot where they can actually cause terrible, terrible accidents. I did, in my earlier years, a tremendous amount of work there um, when I'd made my calls and decrees and so on and so forth to send the angels that are specifically trained to deal with road carnage um, to alleviate these hot spots. We are told about the hot spots of hijacking, but they are hot spots of a different kind of hijacking. Because, again, as above, so below, and we talk about the astral levels, it's just a little bit above the, the, the human um, experience, just a little bit above your vision, where they hijack the, the very essence of you by causing accidents and taking your light. If they can't get you to die, they can still take some of your light because it's a terribly frightening, shocking experience. You survive an accident and your beloved or family or whatever died, you're going to spill a lot of light. Your fear and agony of never mind what might have happened to you, but now you've lost your family. Do you understand? Plus their light that was spilt in that dying. Because normally there is a, a physical spillage of physical blood as well. But you don't have to actually physically bleed to spill your light. When you feel disempowered by somebody, Ralph, your light has been taken. That is a spillage of light. When you are feeling very fine and suddenly you enter into some sort of company with certain individuals and you walk away drained and flattened out and you feel a little bit sick and dizzy and you go and lie down, you might even be very emotional or suddenly find yourself very angry, that means that there's been a spillage of your light. You understand? And normally it always comes through the, uh, the, the portal, as we call it, or the um, chakra, the astral chakra. It comes out of the um, solar plexus and the seat of the soul chakra, which is in the sacral center above the kundalini, the, the mother chakra in the base line. So we, need, we, we come back now to suicide is exactly the same thing as in abortion as well. The amount of light that is bled, and again, I don't refer to physical blood at this point in time. The amount of light that is spilt in both acts is horrendous. Okay. Um, tremendously frightening things take place when you have battlefields where a lot of soldiers and women who are in the army now die because there's a lot of spillage of light. And if people actually had really, although they think they do and they don't, have the second sight in pure, and they were to look upon the carnage field of war, they would actually probably have a heart attack, 
or become very, very ill or so emotionally distraught that it would take them a long time to get over as to what they can actually see is happening on those fields and the spillage of light and what it is that actually sucks that light up. Now, I'm talking highly occult here. And some will say, I'm not listening to this. It's really fine. It, 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 if, it, if it is not piquing your interest and it causes you fear, I am very sorry, but um, this is a subject I've chosen and it's very important because right now we're living in a circumstance where we are driven to very, very high levels of fear on the planet. And when you reach very high levels of fear, catastrophic events take place, not just suicide. Terrible things take place. So there's this constant at the moment spillage of light on this planet, of the light bearers, whether they are awakened or whether they're asleep, it doesn't matter. Just because a light bearer might not have awakened doesn't mean he, she does not have light in their being. And in fact, the more the better because they like that kind of individual because then they can really take hold of the light before that individual realizes they need to take hold of the light in their own selves. Am I making any sense to yeah. you, Ralph? So when you're pushed out of the body, there's two things that happen. There's the murder of the physical body. The suicide is astral murder. It's astral murder. It invariably is never just the person doing it. There are these entities that will coerce you to do it. Listen, let me put it to you this way. Just as there are angels that inspire you. I've been so inspired. The angels are wonderful. Well, there are other kinds of fallen angels that despire. And they work in that manner. You see, and therefore the conspiracy, if I can call it that way, in other words, these beings getting together will work very, very hard at inviting individuals to end their life because they want that light. And how does it work? It works through thought process. You get thoughts in your head, I'm not worthy. Nobody's interested in me. Nobody cares about me. No one ever listens to me. I can't overcome this. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't pay this. I'm alone, I'm this, I'm that, and so on and so forth. And these kind of deflected thoughts build, don't they? And you'll find, as this, the psychosis work you've done in your life, people who suffer from schizophrenia and various degrees of bipolar and so on and so forth are very much caught in the repetitive line of these thoughts that perambulate around the mind all the time and they build. They don't just go around until eventually you've got a mountain of thoughts like that. And when the weight of the thought is too heavy, the life is ended. Because the physical constructs of the atomic nature of mankind, your body, your cellular life, the atomic nature of mankind, can only contain a certain amount of pressure. And if the pressure is too extensive, the life is withdrawn, the life force is withdrawn. And this is what suicide is. It's murder. It's murder of the physical body. Which is why I also mentioned abortion, because abortion is first degree murder of God. It's that in a nutshell. That's how it's reviewed unfortunately um, I say unfortunately with deep sensitivity to certain experiences certain women have and feel that they have the right to proceed with abortion unfortunately there is a karma that's involved in that because whether you like it or not the life that is coming through your body in your womb is not yours you might surrogate it but it's not yours it doesn't belong to you never did as we all know, the us, know those of us who've had children once, particularly I speak to women, once the child is born, you know very, very soon that's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. You acted as a surrogate mother. They're not our children. Cahill Gibran made it very clear. He said, they come through us and are not from us. You're with me there. So the whole process of suicide is very much calibrated around 
the human psyche, around the disenfranchisement from Christ, from the Buddhic essence, from the power of God within, that to such an extent, what happens, Ralph? We believe. We believe there's no God. We believe there's no Christ. We believe we are not worthy. We believe that we are useless, or this or that, and therefore we actually would do the world a favor by just going. You see, these thoughts, you'd be surprised. I have dealt with with people who not made it. They've tried to take suicide, and they've not made it because they're not meant to. And I can tell you, and you yourself have done it as well, the thoughts that go through people who want to destroy themselves, they, they start to form a very, very deliberate and very traceable pattern. Yeah. It's a traceable pattern all over the world. It's got nothing yeah. to do with your culture. You can be Indonesian, you can be American, you can be Chinese. I don't care what culture you're from or the color of your form. These patterns are traceable throughout mm. humanity. Mm, they are. Yeah. No, that's, so so it's, it's, when I said it's a godless act and I put the lowercase g, suicide must be minus God. Mm. You see, we cannot, it's considered a crime in society anyway because it is it impacts on society so deeply it's also considered a crime by the great white brotherhood because this is not your body it was given to you to incarnate with given to you to fulfill your experience with your karma pay your karma back enter into your dharma it doesn't belong to you ralph we do not beat our own hearts we do not consciously breathe well i must breathe three thousand times a day or i'll die we don't consciously breathe we don't consciously move the blood around the veins. And when you eat, once you've chewed your food up or drunk in something or whatever, once it goes into the stomach, are you in charge of what happens then? No. No, not at all. Is a woman really, really in charge, because it's coming through her body, of the formation of that child in her womb? I think it's a blasphemy to think she is. It's a blasphemy. She's not. It's actually an incredible, un precedented grace that you are chosen. It doesn't matter how to carry life in the womb. I know, it's so sad. They call it these days by a, a sophisticated term called um, parenting plan, parent planning, parenting planning. Yeah. So you plan your parenthood. But <laughs> there's a cosmic plan involved. There's not just your will, your own selfish will that is involved at all. You see, it's always about the minus of divinity to extract it, to edge God out as the beautiful, late, beloved Dr. Wayne Dyer said, his belief of the word ego meant to edge God out. Mm. I love that version. Yeah, it's true. To edge, we edge God out all the time, don't we? Yeah. We edge God out of every aspect of our life. Mm. And then we think we're very smart and very clever and I don't need God, I can do it myself. But, but who's beating your heart? Mm-hmm. Who is causing the, the firing of the neurons in your brain so that you can see, mm-hmm. so that you can smell, so that you can taste, so that you can hear, so that you can speak? <coughs> Are you in charge of all that? Hmm. Goodness me. I know. It's, um, people aren't even aware how egotistic this, this era of our civilization is. There's no gratitude, you see. Unfortunately, there's no... Um, I'm talking about an overwhelming amount of humanity that are very, very asleep. And even some of the people who sometimes awaken, they do, particularly they awaken through the astral deluge, okay, and through all the stuff that comes through the astral planes and the esoteria that comes, they imagine they're awake and they're the furthest thing from it. They've just simply elevated a little bit into the astral planes from the physical octave. 
and they're now experiencing astral consciousness and they actually believe this is divine and it's nowhere near it you have to go very much higher off there are 33 planes to the astral sphere and there are 33 etheric planes until you reach the crystal cities of light <laughs> yes right <coughs> okay so then <coughs> we are um, Touching a very sensitive subject. <laughs> very, very sensitive subject, and I'm aware of our audience uh, that some people might be squirming a little bit because many people have had abortions these days. And, uh, and many people attempt, want to attempt their lives. Yes. Many people just want to throw in the towel, yes. But uh, well, I must reassure you that we're simply trying to bring a perspective which is that of the Ascended Masters so that there can be an alleviation of this very complex matter and not uh, to try and make one's life even more difficult in a very difficult time. Uh, how do you, Ralph, uh, say this more in a universal you? How do you convince the people? How do you convince an individual who has made up his mind, her mind, they are not worthy that they are. It begins there. Hmm. Depression comes from suppression and oppression. Hmm. Okay, depression. Now, now I know that you have worked extensively with patients on this particular sphere. So, you know, when we're looking at depression, you've got to look at the word, what does depression mean? It means to be depressed. It means to go down. It means to push down. You depress the clutch in your car so that you can reach lease the gears and go that's a positive depression you depress it down or as your car is really not going to go anywhere if you don't move into the gear ratio of your gearbox to release the engine but on the other hand when you are depressed it means you've been suppressed which means you feel oppressed okay oppressed is to deny depression is to push back in suppression is also a form of denial out there it's usually a lot to do with speech and it's ironic, I found in a lot of my um, counseling over the years and, and some of the clinical work I've been involved in because I've had the pleasure of working with ser uh, several clinicians over this. And um, I, in fact, worked when I was in Natal, Durban with a particular set of um, individuals and psychiatrists who we came to a certain understanding because there was a certain level they couldn't actually enter into, Ralph, with, as far as um, patients who were severely depressed. And yet they found that when these patients found this particular avenue I offered and they came to me and then they went back to the doctor and said ABC, I, there was then a little bit of a kind of commiseration and understanding that in fact, yes, God is there and divine and that you need more than just a clinical approach mm -hmm. to what depression really <coughs> means. And it worked. It worked quite well. I, I yes. managed to work with some patients there when I ran my business over a therapeutic period of time, where really between the two of us, um, the doctor and myself, tremendous amount of evaluation and, op and opportunity and to raise that individual and to start releasing psychotic medicines mm. so that they could start actually taking responsibility for themselves again. It was quite an amazing process. It really was. Now, that's, um, that's a very... Um, that's a lot of hard work, that. Yes, because when, when people are really, really depressed, they're very close to suicide. There's always a period of suicide, um, uh, depression before suicide. Yes. 
yes. and it builds up for a quite a while. So even with teenagers, when I worked with teenagers, I would ask them, well, have you been depressed for more than three days? And then they would say, oh, yes, why you ask? I said, well, well, the red flag should come up. It should now be a red flag hanging right down here in, this, in the front of your eyes and you've got to say, what am I going to do? Because you can't allow yourself to be depressed for too long because it gets worse. Yeah, it builds, it builds, it builds. Very much like if you want an archetype, it's like barnacles on a boat, on, in the fisherman's boat. And he's always going out because that's his livelihood. But if he doesn't scrape the hull of his boat every now and then, he's going to run into trouble because those barnacles are very sharp and some of them are pointy and they snag on seaweed and, and, and broken fishing lines and all sorts of things and can cause a problem. These barnacles are a bit like plaque on a teeth, on your teeth. They build and build over mm. time, also does depression. It's like the barnacles and it's like the plaque on the teeth. And eventually what happens, you have to go to a dentist, don't you? You have to have your teeth cleaned because mm -hmm. you actually have to have it physically removed, the plaque. Okay, because it has a calcium baseline just as, as it does on the boat. So in a sense, it's a kind of astral calcium line that contains uh, a kind of chemical process, if you like, that coats the astral body. And you, you can't just shrug it off. You can't just shrug depression off. It has to be treated when it is becomes clinically observable. Oh, yeah. No, no. Very much so. Very much so. So... When a person is thrust out of the, the body, or they thrust themselves out of their body, um, what actually transpires? Well, there are angels that are trained. You know, there's the myriad legions of angels that are trained. Suicide is as old as history itself um, to deal with souls. Because, you know, their souls can also just be pushed out of their body like through terrible accidents and whatnot and there are some people who don't realize they've made the transition or if you prefer to use the word gone through death they actually don't believe they are dead um, they get a little bit earthbound and they get a bit lost and so on because they don't understand but with suicide what often happens and I've been given this by some of the masters and Jesus himself because Jesus has a very special retreat right above Jerusalem particularly four teenagers who, who OD and who uh, use other means with which to commit suicide like gassing and shooting and yeah, razor blades and god knows what else and they actually succeed to murder the physical body and it is being shown to me that often or not again and again when they wake up on these retreats they don't know they're dead Ralph the, the body is gone and then they go into absolute panic and they scream and they shout and they throw tantrums because they cannot get back into the body they've just removed and they have to run special clinics there in advice to counsel these souls until eventually they are ready to accept you have forfeited your physical body. You have to reincarnate. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, from a karmic point of view, suicide is actually a form of karma bunking. Now, I know this is a very sensitive and raw subject, but it is a form of avoiding one's karma. And what actually happens and why it is, it's also dealt with with such compassion you wouldn't believe. But most suicides reincarnate within 18 months of the event. It's very seldom it's longer than that. It's usually a year, depending on, on where they can find you, the particular circumstance where you can reincarnate. Because you're not allowed to avoid your karma. You will never be able to avoid your karma. You will go straight back 
Okay, you will reincarnate into a situation. And the tragedy lies here, Ralph. That not only will you still have to deal with a life you've just debunked. You have to deal with a new life and the new karma that will come in that life as well. So your load is twice as heavy as it was before you committed suicide. You will return instantaneously. You are sent back very quickly. Because you get given a time. Man lives what? Approximately, generally, look, naught to 75 years. And in that time, you have to fulfill certain things, to achieve certain things, so on, so a certain amount of soul development and, and your evolution. Now, if you snap that in half, you are interfering with the process of your own evolution. Therefore, you're interfering with the possibility of attainment, the possibility of self-elevation or salvation, to climb up, to become better than you were the day before, the year before, etc., etc. So there's a whole lot of tremendously sensitive situations involved here. Okay, yeah. and, and when you get sent back, you have to face both again. Because if you're going to, and invariably the masters have shown me that a lot of people commit suicide over the same issue. Again and again, maybe it's presented by different people in a different culture. But the same issue comes up and you can't face it either, or you won't face it. And you take yourself out, as it were, you force yourself out. You, you, you absolutely refuse to work it through. Yeah. And you're sent back and until eventually ad nauseum comes and you think, you know, I can't face this anymore. And then there's this hint that have I actually tried to avoid my karma before in such a situation where I have perhaps been involved in suicide and I have terminated my life contract with the Lord of Karma because it's a life contract. You terminate it on your own volition and it's actually not your life to terminate. It's not our life. We, do, we only have free will, Ralph in the expression of our experiences. But free will does not give us the right to terminate life. It doesn't give you the right to murder your own body or to deny another, as in abortion, the opportunity to pay their life circumstances. And abortion is very painful. It's, I, that is another very sensitive subject. I'll only touch very, 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 very lightly. But I can tell you, particularly when you're dealing with senseless abortion, when you're dealing with abortion that is becomes a kind of human culling hmm. okay these souls are rescued in the arms of angels who take them straight to the karmic board and there you are um, you've been denied entry into the physical octave because the body has been aborted and you cannot now complete your karma and I would tell you as I have been shown even by Lady Master Nada and Kuan Yin and other great ascended beings as well as clearly how precious human life really is and no matter how frightening the circumstances we appear to face you must understand that it is an incredible grace to actually incarnate and have this body this physical platform that you can um, express yourself from because there are literally hundreds and thousands of people who are queuing up to have the opportunity re to reincarnate and some of them are denied again and again and in fact invariably what Master Moria has taught about is it's normally the light bearers it's normally those who come in with solutions to ergonomics in other words to energy um, conservation and to cleaning up the planet and so on and so forth you've got they'll get trained and, and have wonderful ideations that are given to them that when they incarnate they are able through the usual means, you know, school, um, university and so on, and yet they are inspired by the angels and they come forth with 
you know, inventions, for example, and wonderful things that could possibly move humanity forward in a wonderful way, these are the ones that are denied more than any other entry into the physical octave because it means they might just be the particular individual who sets a certain aspect of our lives completely free. Whereas, of course, with the Nephilim, they don't want that. They want us to be bound to drudgery. Yeah. Yeah. This is really at a time when um, we have to wake up to these facts. That's why we're talking about it. Uh, humanity must now begin to wake up, especially about abortion and uh, and suicide. Now, there's so many uh, abortions happening throughout the world. I wonder what the percentage there is. It must be also higher during this time because people just find it so hard to deal with their motherhood in this this time. Just as suicide is on the increase, I'm sure that abortions have been on the increase. And what a tremendous displacement of karma that actually happens both through suicide and through abortion. Yes, because that soul might be set to meet certain individuals that make tremendous changes in other people's lives. That entire karmic experience gets derailed. Those people then cannot meet that individual. Therefore, their karma cannot happen. Their opportunities cannot happen. So suicide denies other people their opportunities. It denies, in fact, a whole interlaced set of incredible, wonderful opportunities that could open tremendous, tremendous chances for people. It holds it back. Yeah, that's so sad. I, I'm, I'm aware of uh, a young lady who was a teacher, and um, she was she was quite an experienced teacher, and she was teaching. Um, she was Spanish, actually, in South America, and she took her own life. And the day I heard about a teacher who works with children, I became very, very sad indeed at this news, because I thought, oh, what about the children that she was supposed to be teaching in this life? Yeah. She was supposed to play a tremendous role. Carry them in their consciousness. Yes. And children uh, <laughs> look for their teachers. Yeah. The other aspect, of course, is murder. Um, particularly here in South Africa, um, there has been a spate since lockdown of gender-based violence. There's been a spate of raping and murder of pregnant women of any any race, white, brown, black, it doesn't matter. And these are women that are normally between three, the, the second trimester to almost birth itself, where they are brutally raped and murdered and butchered, hung from trees, and God knows what is happening here in South Africa in this COVID time. And again, um, the masters appeal and they tell you something. Now, do you know that every time a baby is aborted and every time a woman is murdered through rape, and particularly when she's pregnant, it sets nature back, it sets the elemental beings back, they deplore it. And when it is significantly high enough, it can cause cataclysm, that rape and murder and abortion can cause cataclysm, because the elementals refuse, because they are. this is an elemental body you wear. We, we have all the components of nature within us, and the four quadrants of matter, earth, air, fire, and water. So when you abort the physical platform, Let's look at it purely spiritually, scientifically. When you abort the physical platform, you also abort certain patterns within nature. 
you have bought certain patterns within nature. Therefore, the elemental beings through you cannot evolve. Their own evolution is put on hold because they are here to serve us. They are here to serve the evolution of human consciousness through the process of the evolving um, physical body or the elemental body. The human body on a spiritual scientific level is known as the elemental body. Your body is elemental. It's not just a physical body. And in a way, so-called modern science describes it. You are very, very responsible for nature in your body because you have the whole of nature in your body. So this also impacts into the evolution of elemental consciousness. They are also evolving. And where some of the Buddhist teachers' teachings go a little bit askew, because the masters have never taught and they never will teach that you devolve and incarnate into an animal body. This is nonsense. There's no such time that the soul of man has ever incarnated into the, the body of an animal. However, elemental beings, if they evolve sufficiently, can earn a threefold flame, can come through only certain aspects of the animal kingdoms, um, certain very advanced animals like um, the elephants, like certain cetacean life and the whales and so on, and only certain types of huskies and so on and so forth, where they can evolve upward on that so-called elemental chain, where eventually they are able to earn a threefold flame. In other words, for the first time, they can incarnate into the human body because they have evolved so sufficiently that they are able to actually procure through embodiment a really wonderful body that they can then in earning the threefold flame or the soul aspect of God the soul consciousness of Christ is the threefold flame it's the immortal potential to eternity they can then move on so yes these kind of things impact all the way into elemental life yes wow alright so let us um, have a bit of music and we'll be back with you in a moment
So we're back again and we're talking about a fascinating subject, but not a very pleasant one, but a very important one. And we're discovering this morning that, um, wow, we are not alone in our evolution, you see. There are two other hierarchies that live with us and coexist with us, the elemental beings and the angels. And uh, these things all impact on all these three different um, evolutionary streams. And, um, yeah, we're discovering how important and how precious, how really uh, precious life is for all three of these evolutionary streams. Right, Anakanema. I think we just need to just look at children. Most child um, suicide, in fact, a lot of it uh, comes from bullying. Okay, um, I read a couple of years back there was a spate. It spiked very high because of bullying in America, certain American schools and so on. It's also been here as well. I don't think there is a country in the world that has not experienced that. Uh, it does seem to be higher around certain um, social dynamics. But um, what causes a child as young as six? I have actually read the heart-rendering notes that are proffered by parents whose children have done this and where they were not quick enough to see the writing on the wall where children come under as young as six tremendous depression because of class bullying and bullies and then moving from six up um, you must understand that we talk about a first world country like America children normally um, have available things to them when much younger that in a semi sort of second third world country like South Africa it's not so prevalent it doesn't mean we don't have suicide here with children we do because there's different kinds of ethics and fallen ethics of um, you know street bullying and street gangs and so on and so forth street gangs in America are as ancient as, as America itself and often that in itself comes under class bullying you know and racial bullying and so on and so forth um, but the class bully, the school bully, is more what I'm referring to here, where children commit suicide because they cannot deal. That they sometimes I've read these stories where these kids are bullied on cyberspace too. In other words, on Facebook, on whatever media they've got, and so on and so forth. And they find notes tucked into their stuff at school and all sorts of things where they are actually tracked down and 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 sort of haunted in a sense. And pushed into a corner in a sense because maybe the child is different maybe their whole ethic is different depending on how they are raised sometimes very shy children as well don't like getting into these uh, street gangs as well there's also the thing where in a lot of these schools and I'm sure you know of it too and we have it here in fact I know your brother was very involved in trying to mitigate bullying in schools for quite some time in our northern province in Gauteng um, because children are pushed into corners and ganged up on and it's actually quite frightening what happens and bullied simply because they are different and eventually this kind of peer pressure causes suicide they actually don't want to live anymore because they've got to go home and perform as it were they, they, they have probably have fairly normal home dynamics as well but to have to perform at school and to go and face that every day is a very difficult thing for them 
and these little ones usually take to hanging themselves and things like that those kind of suicides are not as um, aggressive as the ones with drugs and so on and so forth and often you'll find in peer pressure um, that you get the initiations as well you see particularly in what they call in America junior high here we just have junior school and high school and then university we don't have this thing called junior high and then high school okay but you'll find in what is called junior high in the preliminaries of high school the peer pressure to initiate um, either in the in the female section or the male section is very great and it's normally quite perverted it's normally extremely aggressive and very very violent and all the rest of it and it, these children are just committing suicide one by one because they can't face going there every day and sometimes these kids follow them home and do all sorts of things to them as well wait for them in the streets and, and so that eventually they are stalked and harassed to the extent where they can't live anymore and sometimes the parents don't take note of it and they go well you're just making it up the parent goes to work all day and comes home and doesn't quite see the pressure and the writing on the wall and these things happen in every kind of cultural ethic there is on, in the world and it's been going on for a very long time it is not just this last year it's been going on for a very very long time child suicide it's just progressively high at the moment because of the dynamics of what we're facing on our planet at the moment under COVID, particularly with the uh, financial repression and also the uh, severe social um, limiting dynamics as well causes and I know from the one lot that I'm busy researching now that depression um, has also soared as much as 75% Ralph over this last year and what the deprivation of social distancing has caused is you cannot even go into its dynamics and this goes also into people in old age homes and so on where they are denied any form of social interaction with their family and so on and so forth and this causes people old people are just literally I suppose dying in their sleep they don't commit suicide but on the other hand they, they just die in, in the most frail circumstances because they are not allowed any contact with their family which to them is their blood it's their life source um, and so on and so forth the grandchildren are always the life source of particularly older people who are not very awake and kind of live in the progeny of the generation that's come after their children as the sole source of what they've achieved in life I have grandchildren there was a time on this planet where just simply reaching the point where you become a grandparent was considered a very great honor and, and an extreme privilege that your own children have begat children and you are now a proud grandmother grandfather today it's looked on as a joke it's actually considered to be embarrassing to be a grandparent today because it means you might just be getting old and old age is not embraced on the planet <coughs> at the moment it's actually considered a shame people are shamed for getting old they are put into shame and confrontation of shame. So many people commit suicide just out of that alone because they look in the proverbial mirror and in the fallen social dynamics of mankind. They're not accepted in society because, well, you've done your day, you're sort of a bit dried up, you're getting old, we've got no use for you because it also re revolves around lack of work, lack of employment. I know that in the United Kingdom, by the time you're 45, you're supposed to be retired, Ralph. I mean, how do you retire in... A, a, a socially backward financially backward situation on a planet that's been escalating for the last hundred years at 45 no one can afford to retire at that age causes suicide because they can't meet their needs they can't pay the proverbial rent or the bond they can't meet all these things that they've had before 
And that is the, the, the that's what they source out is suicide. Yeah. Yeah, we are certainly living in a time of change, very, very great change. But it's also, in a way, a time of awakening. Because if we don't get people to awaken, to become more aware, and to start thinking on a very much higher spiritual level, and not religious level, but spiritual level, that people can think spiritual concepts. Because um, our education doesn't furnish any, any need in the child as far as this is concerned. So we are living in a time of tremendous, tremendous um, need, change, and uh, a reawakening, awakening, of, uh, as you put it, to the divinity within. So you, Annika Nima, are telling us that this morning that to be aware of this divinity within and to have concepts, higher concepts around this divinity within is actually a solution to this dilemma. Yes, because it's the etheric building blocks. It's the foundation of your soul. Whether you deny God or not is irrelevant. It's still the foundation of your soul. And what happens to people who enter into spirituality with sincerity, they do find, will find, there is a aha moment inside there's, a, there's that kindling moment it, it's like when you try and build a fire isn't it and you put all the logs in a specific way and you might you use those fire bricks as well but and you light it all up and you're just waiting for the moment where the fire actually takes and then then you can sit back and relax because now you've built a fire and it's actually steadily burning well the same thing is inside you can't just find divinity you've got to have the fire bricks you've got to have the volition you've got to have the endurance and you've got to have the perseverance to make sure that the fire not only goes but doesn't go out you've got to maintain that fire by the fervor of your devotion to God or it will go out it's an ongoing process you can't just expect the fire of divinity to be lit and think it will just stay like that because you have free will therefore it is up to you in your individual solace your individual being to maintain the fires of your own divinity or it will simmer down. The threefold flame in the heart, in, the, in most of humanity, is a mere one-sixteenth of an inch in height in the, in the heart chakra, the secret chamber of the heart. It's a mere one-sixteenth of an inch. Now, you know, Jesus, uh, prior to his ascension, became the threefold flame. He expanded it to a point where it actually was his entire being, his entire body, and his entire aura. There's no limit to... to I mean, the part of the Buddhas and, and the whole Buddhic mantle is in fact that you do become the threefold flame. You do become the very empowerment of your own divinity. As I said in some of my teachings before, you become, in Buddhism you become, because it's a process of becoming. So you become the manifestation of your own Christ consciousness inwardly, innately. You become the manifestation of the Bodhisattva inwardly. You see, or to, to worship the Divine Mother inwardly, innately, in your inner being. And then those spiritual fires, those crystalline spiritual fires, can be maintained throughout your life. This is the saints, the path of some of the saints, like we'll look at Blessed Padre Pio as one of them, okay, who bank the fires all the time up until the last breath. 
And I mean, so great was he that his body didn't corrupt when he died. His body was so pure. Yeah. Well, so this, this is actually our mission here at Blue Lotus Radio, where we wish to bring these kind of uh, talks to really help people uh, gain a higher perspective on things and so that they can know better and uh, if they know better then they can do better. So Anakalima, that is uh, what um, Almore always says, if people know better they can do better. Yes, what does it mean to know better? To know is to understand. If you enter into a certain set of knowledge, particularly when it's divine, particularly when it is orchestrated from the Ascended Masters. Therefore, it's living knowledge. It's not intellectual, dead knowledge stuck in artificial intelligence or the Internet of Things. It's a living knowledge. It's the wisdom of Christ. You could put Christ in that bracket if you want and say, what is Christ? It's living knowledge. It's the wisdom of divine gnosis. It's the absolute living consciousness. So whatever you enter into has a chance to live and fructify it. To fruit, in other words, to bear fruit thereof. I can only try to assure you um, that in my own life experience and that of others who are kindred with me on this path, and that is scattered across this planet as well, um, really and truly it is, it just requires just a little encouragement, actually at the end of the day, just a little to tap into or onto the inner resources of your own being. Test the waters if you like, put your big toe in the waters to see whether it's too cold or too hot. To tap the waters of divinity and find that in fact they're not lukewarm, they are absolutely delightful. And in fact when you put your feet in the water, the whole body becomes suffused because that light travels through the feet all the way into the chakras and all the way into your soul. So your soul becomes suffused with the light of God. It becomes suffused with the light of the ascended, with the light of the angels and the angelic kingdom are only too willing, are waiting just a little behind the threshold to encourage you, to inspire you, to aspire to take up this um, divine right you have. The word ritual is very interesting um, and it does get lost in very dark practices of Satanism, but the word ritual people are afraid of because of that but it actually means the right that you all have the right you all have is to enter into your divinity so the true ritual is divine the right that you really have to enter your divinity is your right it is your God given right to enter into your own divinity and to expand the sun of your consciousness we are all suns in the making like the great central sun we are all suns in the making again this um, concept put out in Christianity has been genderized and said the son of God this is the son of God that and Jesus spoke of the son of God but in actual fact Mary was also a son of God she was a whirling son of God a living flame a living son of God we are all sons of God and in our sonship we are sons and daughters of God I hope that sort of kind of can resonate a little bit with a few who do follow this path and to understand it it is very, very important in this time that mankind dig deep. People need to really, 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 really dig very deep and say, what really is going on? What is this all about? In fact, then, what am I all about? 
Because you see, Ralph, at the end of the day, it's fine to say what is it all about and look at everybody else. But if you don't know what you're about, what's the purpose? Because you're going to be living someone else's dream. You're going to be living someone else's ideations. You're going to be living someone else's plans. And you will never get by with any of that until you actually enter into your own soul consciousness and find out, who am I? What am I? Where do I come from? Where am I going? Yeah, thank you so much, um, Annika Lima. This is a very, very thought-provoking subject this morning. So I'd like to give our audience a bit of uh, contact information. The one way to get hold of us is to contact Aniela on a WhatsApp number. And uh, you can contact her if you'd like to give a, a donation to our work. Or if you want to know more about, for example, the Blue Lotus University, a cyber university. We have courses that are very reasonably pricey. Very reasonably priced, I tell you. And uh, you can... Uh, uh, contact her and we've got horse, uh, Four Horsemen is one of the courses Cosmogony 1 and Cosmogony 2 there are these three courses about um, the awakening and, and a deeper understanding of <coughs> spirit and cosmos so um, you can contact Aniela on the following number WhatsApp, please. WhatsApp, because she's a teacher, she can't take your call. So, plus two seven seven two one seven eight two nine one two. So, I'm going to repeat that number. It's plus two seven seven two one seven eight two nine one two. So, you can get a hold of her on WhatsApp and uh, uh, you can make contact with us at Blue Lotus Radio and we also run Blue Lotus University Cyber University courses on uh, the teachings of the Ascended Masters spiritual science in other words so we're going to have a short break now and then we come back to continue this very very fascinating discussion with Anna Kalima.
So we're back again, and we're having a very, very interesting conversation today. Um, it's sad in many ways, but a very important conversation, and it's a, uh, we're having it because this is a time when real awakening needs to take place, and we are very fortunate to have Anna Kalema here with us, where we can uh, uh, enter into these subjects from very specific point of view as she has had so much contact with the masters and the angels and speaks out of her personal experience so we're very grateful to have you here with us today Anna Kalima and we're touching on a very sensitive subject today and we have to deal with it in such a manner that people really feel their divinity so that is this divinity knowing about your divinity and uh, worshipping that divinity within you is the God in you uh, this is the answer to this huge dilemma that humanity is um, experiencing right now so Anakanema um, we are nearly going now for one hour an hour 45 minutes and uh, where would you like to take the conversation? I think what I'd like to do Ralph is to present to people that in fact there are also because the master has flashed this through to me um, and I think it's important that we look at this um, if we take this subject as suicide um, and we take the subject of abortion which is forced death um, and it is a murderous death as well. Okay, how many times in your life, and I speak to any individual in this, have we aborted our dreams and hopes? There's abortion on many levels. It's not just the physical body. And how many times do we kill off or actually practice suicide again on some of our deeper hopes and aspirations? You just write it off. Normally when we do that, People um, become, can become very depressed and very unhappy because we feel we've lost out on the impetus of perhaps what we want to do. Um, this dramatic and very uh, complicated set of socio-economic circumstances on the planet at the moment has caused more collapse of the middle man and the cottage industries and so on than ever been in since World War II. And therefore, in a sense, people have had for them their life circumstances aborted. They've had their dreams murdered or it's, it, it is killed off, uh, which is a form of suicide. Okay, because suicide is to kill off. 
kill off the actual physical body, but you can kill off just through the power of your thinking certain of your own abilities, certain of your own opportunities. One of the biggest determiners of the killing off of these is the breakup of family and relationships. Where people come apart, people who perhaps live together for quite some time or even not. It just depends um, where relationships don't work out, whatever the dynamics there are. We're not discussing. What we're discussing is the result of them causes sometimes in certain individuals who can't work it through death because in a sense the loss of a relationship is a form of death because it is a death of a certain way of life it's a certain aspect of your living and so on and so forth which you might or might not have actually started to dream about uh, in other words going to the future so called uh, establishing a home establishing a business establishing who knows what a career and they get dashed to the ground so it is actually a form of abortion it's a form of death so I would like to say to anybody who's listening to this, if you have experienced this or know people who have, there is a way through this. And again, I must point you back. I must take you back to your divinity. I myself have experienced this. I myself have lost two businesses in my life. I also set up and ran a business to quite some extent in our northern province here. And I had to actually walk away from it and set it back because of various certain situations and circumstances I had to actually just turn it around and walk away I left in a sense a thriving business there to actually move down to the Cape okay so I understand what it is in the sense of setting up and anyone who's run their own business even small businesses knows that to run any business on on any scale whereas of course mine is to do with psychology it's to do with the what is psychology with the study of the soul, the study of the psyche in the spiritual dynamics of who we are, where we've come from, um, the great ascended masters, etc., etc. This takes quite some time to set up a business like that, to build up a clientele that's worthy and people who don't just come and waste your time because they are only interested in prognostications and, and you know, how much money they'll win and, and when they'll get married again and can I you know buy a house next year and all the rest of that kind of stuff is nonsense if you want to track that kind of thing into your life you first have to find out who and what you are where you've come from what you're about and is it really your destiny anyway to have such a material um, manifested outlook on life so to to lose a business like this in that sense it can deplete you which it did as you know at the time it set me so far back financially i had to start all over again I've had this three times in my life where I have had to lose a business and start all over again from scratch. So I know from personal experience and the sting of it what it is to actually give up everything. I have also experienced literally being on the street. And I don't mean living on it, but where I have lost everything. My business, my home, my vehicle, the whole lot. I know what that feels like. I've been there. I've been there twice. And I've lost three businesses. I know exactly what that is all about. So I've experienced death in many, many ways, and yet not in any one of them. No matter how much I could have berated myself and desperately clung to perhaps the dying embers of what had taken place, which never solves anything at the end of the day. It actually just is a, a futile waste of time and actually puts you into a lot of debt as well. Um, there is a way through. And in all the dark valleys if I can call them that or the dark nights of the soul and so on that I've been through 
I've seen myself with God through every one of them because at that 11th hour of incredible you don't know what you're doing you don't know where you're going you can't think you can't feel you are numb you're also very angry and all these conflicting emotions work through you I have always been able to dig inside and find my God and speak to my God to him to her to the masters and slowly but surely climb my way back up out of the abyss that I descended into I'm not saying everybody is equipped to do this however I'm saying you ought to be because at the end of the day it's worth it at the end of the day that no matter how dark things might seem there's a reason you're there there's a reason you are in your higher self allowing yourself to go there and experience it because it's to do with the finishing off in your evolution it's to do with raising you up that you are actually not dependent on the physical material life at all in the sense that people are today oh, I'll never live if I don't have that I don't know all these things I mean I've been I was without a car for years when I lost my vehicle I had a brand new car as you know that I lost and all these sort of things that I actually drove off the showroom floor I lost it I had to give it back to the bank I know what that's all about I've been there done that and got the t-shirts they're all hanging in my cupboard if you understand what I'm saying okay and at the end of the day when you look at all these so-called in brackets t-shirts hanging in the mental emotional cupboard you thank God for them and you think yeah I've been through all this and what has it taught me that actually at the end of the day I am so so much more worthy than any experience I've ever had I'm more worthy than all of it because you know why Ralph God in me is the one that's worthy of it and people say to me I'm not worthy you know I, I, I really can't I'm just I'm not People often call me and abbreviate my name and call me Anna and say, Anna, I am really not worthy. And they, they sell themselves on it. How can I do what you suggested and I'm not worthy of this? Well, you have to find a way to be worthy, Ralph. You have to find a way. And the way I found when I was in the darkest moments of my life was to say, okay, I might feel like a low-down rotten skunk on foraging through the bushes of life, but, you know, God isn't. I know God isn't. I know God is worthy of more in me then I feel worthy of myself so what I'll do is I'll elevate God in the meantime and I'll thank him her that she he is within me that almighty God is giving me the power and has offered me that proverbial life raft the proverbial rope down the shaft that I can climb up you know I saw something the other day on Instagram and I had to smile I looked at this whole thing of a man who saved a cat who had fallen down the proverbial kind of I wouldn't call it a well it was more of an in, like an industrial area but it was pretty deep concrete ditch thing that had a lot of really murky and rather disgusting brown industrial dirty water in the bottom <coughs> this little black and white cat was sort of hanging onto the fringes of some kind of lip down there and this individual could not have ever reached him because it was the way this <coughs> bowl was built he would have fallen in himself so there's no way he could have gone down there and got her so they got a rope the proverbial piece of rope and they made a rather big fat sort of knot thing on the end and they lowered this rope down in in right next to kitty the first thing is the cat the video shows the cat just looked at this mewing pitifully mewing pitifully and he just kept calling gently gently you know we always do we go kitty kitty or whatever you just call the cat and eventually he jiggled the rope around 
and the natural play instinct in the cat was to catch it. So the cat caught the rope, so he jerked the rope up a bit, and the light went on, and this cat suddenly clicked. And the cat, I watched a digger claws into this knot, and slowly but surely, walking the cat up on its hind legs, he slowly pulled this rope up, pulled it up, so the cat walked out. He didn't just yank the cat up in the air. He slowly pulled this rope up while Kitty hung on for dear life with her front paws and walked it up all the way through her back paws to the top. She jumped, he didn't even touch her. She jumped over the top as you know, animals shake themselves furiously and just sat there dazed for a few minutes that she'd been so soaked in all this lousy bracken water. Now, I'm using that to everybody today as an example because there, in that moment, not even the cat knew what that was. Well, what do you, I need to get out of here. What is this? Do you see? God sends you the love rope with a funny knot on the end. What is the knot? It's just perhaps a, a set of dynamics or thoughts. And um, the cat was put into play. Isn't it interesting that play often gets us out of things? And in that moment of play with the cat, instinctively wanted to catch, the cat also realized, here's my life rope, because it pulled the cat instantly, but he quickly pulled up. The man pulled the rope up, so the cat started moving up. And boy, the intelligence in the cat kicked in. And within minutes, this lovely little animal was, was you know, salvaged from what have been its, its demise. So you see, often God does send us down in the most ridiculous places we find ourselves in these uh, guide ropes. And he's, he's not just going to attach a note to it and say, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> so we look at the rope and the knot, we well, what is this? But there's no message from God says, please place your hands here and hold on for dear life. He's not going to say that. Well, he prompted you in your feelings. <laughs> yes, even the innate intelligence of that elemental being was prompted with a bit of play. Oh, catch it! And that was it. In the minute the cat saw its salvation. Okay, and salvation means self-elevation. So even in an elemental sense, the animal self-elevated. It actually, through divine intelligence of the elemental world, saw that this was a way out of its demise, and we can find a way out of our demise and see God, the angels, Michael. Mighty Archangel Michael as that rope, and we're not quite sure what will be on the end of the rope. It could be a knot, it could be a bucket to climb inside, it could be a number of things. And you think, well, what do I need a bucket for? I'm trying to get out of here. But it might be you need to sit in the bucket, or you need to change the way you see things so that God Himself can lift you up on the rope bucket and all out of your circumstances. I'm making light of something in a very special way to lift people up a little bit and referring that story to you because. I can tell you something now. I know in my own experiences, God did not send me any single suggestion on how to get out. The things he offered me to get out of, I had to decide what it was and realize that it was actually divine assistance and use my own innate intelligence and start to climb up out of the circumstances. And that innate intelligence, those who are listening to me now, is your divinity. It is the inward spark, your divine spark of God consciousness that says, there's a way out of here. You don't have to stay where you are. Even if your circumstances seem dire, you don't have to actually stay where you are. Because I have seen in my 33 years of life counseling experience that people who have ended up on, on the proverbial street, they lose the business, the home, the everything, they turn around and they climb right back up again, well, even as I have done. Uh, and you can actually pick your life up again. It depends very strongly on how much you love God. If you love God enough, then the love of God in you will rescue you. 
every single time. The love of God in you will rescue. In fact, invariably, at the end of the day, Ralph, it is your own love that is rescuing you. It is the amount of love you have in other lifetimes as well as this generated that comes as that guiding rope. It comes as that hand, a proverbial hand that picks you up if you've fallen down on the pavement or so on and so forth. Or the hand that goes on the shoulder. And sometimes just merely someone saying to you, you know what, everything will be all right, can also be a guiding line to get you out of your circumstances. Just because someone showed a little bit of compassion and warmth and made you feel a little bit better inside. And basically, what does it mean when someone does that? Because I know you're suffering and going through hell, but you're actually going to be all right. You see, sometimes we need only that as a divine guidance from God. Sometimes we need something more practical, like the cat being <coughs> receiving the rope. You see, sometimes we need really practical elements to get out of where we are. But more than often than not, a lot of it actually is within your own capacity to reach your own divinity and to say no matter how miserable I am, no matter how dark everything is, God is more powerful than anything I could ever experience that is dark and therefore I can surmount this and I can only say this to you as well with all the work that I am doing at the moment I am telling you, I, I lay my life down for you and I give you my body and my blood and I say now, no matter what we as a humanity face on our planet right now we will overcome this because the light of God always prevails always prevails Ralph and there is no power but God that can act so that all the semantics of human nature no matter how devolved it might appear to be at the moment will not prevail well that is such an important thing you just said there because yeah in South Africa we see so many people that have lost small businesses you know, many, many people depend on small businesses hand-to-mouth, and these small businesses feed a lot of people. And a friend of mine in Singapore has also got a hold of me and told me that he's aware of 50,000-plus small businesses that feed a whole lot of families. They've all gone bang. They've yeah. completely gone Singapore. bang. And so... This is what we're facing as a humanity at this point in time. And what's very important is to know that we can, we can survive this. Um, and and so knowing about your divinity is really very, very important. So, Anaglimo, I suppose we, we have to pray for all these people that are facing these terrible um, murderous intent that is happening at the moment because as you say abortion is on in many many different levels so how are we are now coming into the loss of an hour um, of our airtime so how are we going to reach out to the people out there I mean the very fact that we are on the show is a reaching out and uh, if people enjoy our Blue Lotus Radio Anakalima Talks, they should pass them on to other people because there might be many people who need this life rope with a knot at the end. So let us just, if possible, if you're going to re-listen to this, if you're not listening live, and perhaps maybe you should re-listen when we 
set it through the podcast on Spotify um, and post it on our WhatsApp groups. That's also a way, uh, if you are listening live on or in a position right now, to just sit quietly. You're not uh, needing to do anything or driving a vehicle or so on and so forth. You might be able to just um, sit quietly, close your eyes. Generally, if you're not, as I often do, my favorite way of sitting is always in a half lotus Um my very eastern nature calls it forth of me, so I very seldom sit properly in a chair. I don't always behave as other people would expect me to. Um, if you are sitting in a half lotus or cross-legged or whatever, that's also superb. Or if you are sitting in a chair with your feet flat on the floor, sometimes it's also good to take your shoes off and just connect because the minute you do that, you also create hallowed ground when you remove the shoes and the soles of your feet, whether it's a carpet or the floor or you're sitting in the garden maybe listening to this or whatever the case may be keep your feet flat on the ground as well so that you can connect with the the beautiful ley lines and iron sphere focuses in, hidden deep within the crystalline elements of beloved terra our beloved planet which will immediately through your own elements in your own body connect and assist you through your chakras to actually anchor and be a little bit still in this moment with the christ life ever poised in your heart the light of God above you through your I am presence okay, is always there the light of God in the buddhic atmic experience in the heart of the lord of the world Gautama Buddha in the heart of Kwan Su Yin um, near these great and mighty Buddhas that we pray to and know are very active in our lives as well the heart of magnificent Amitabha Buddha of infinite light and so on whatever is the medium which is extremely important to you can focus in there for a moment and breathe now now conscious breathing is conscious living if you become conscious in your breath in where you are breathing in and out it immediately displaces non-focus it, it it brings you straight back in sometimes a good thing is just to focus on the tip of the nose or the tip of your tongue in your mouth if you curl your tongue up backward a little bit at the very roof of your mouth where your front teeth are, that's also a very good way of grounding while you're breathing. Or you sit in the half lotus and you adopt the the um pose with touching the index finger and the thumb together with the other three fingers um, opened out a little bit as well. These mudras are very, very important because they actually connect with the five crystal rays. Your five, You don't have five fingers just for nothing. Just as you have five senses, the advancement of the five senses is through the five crystal rays and the opening of consciousness in what is very predominantly spoken today of the fifth dimensional consciousness or entering into the ascension understanding of the planetary body. So there are many ways and methods and modalities of um, entering into this. But I'm asking you to find it now as you listen to my words. Just send yourself with gentle breathing. Um, find your rhythm so it's gentle, not too much, not too little, all right? Always, as Gautama Buddha taught, that mindfulness is, in the heart of the Buddha, the line between two extreme opposites, not too much and not too little. Jesus also speaks of the middle way or the straight and narrow <coughs> path, okay? And we're avoiding, really, the left and the, and the right because <laughs> invariably it's always extreme, you see. So we try and adopt a path of altruistic neutrality, 
okay and we hold ourselves in there we try and clear our mind by simply being calm you know the word calm is very interesting and what has often been given to me by the masters when I do this kind of centering is I am asked to be calm seated in the palm of God's hand this is a wonderful metaphor you, you, you can say to yourself I am calm seated in the palm of God's hand so in other words you are handing over the balance of your soul consciousness instantaneously to the power and will of Almighty God and His divinity in you because the hand is the extension of the heart you see your hands are the extension of your heart what you touch with your hands what you do with your hands comes from your heart and should do and goes straight back to your heart you see so it's quite a, a thing to contemplate be careful what you do with your hands what you touch and allow to go into your hands be careful because your heart and your hands are actually one this is why Buddha was so very uh, explicit on mudras in meditation just the cupping of the hands in the path where the one um, the left hand slightly overlaps the right hand and the two thumbs join together touching ever so slightly together is a wondrous way of just sitting there as well quietly because the the cup that your hands form is actually a chalice that represents your heart so your meditative quality pours into your hands and moves into your heart or it pours out from your heart into your hands and your hands if you open them and you fling them into the, the area around you gently and open them you can actually through the five fingers all the five crystal rays extend wonderful energetic rays of energy all over which can actually help people particularly if you are working with a violet flame and if you're working with the power of the Holy Spirit in the Lord Mahachahan you can also experience the calmness of the the white fire core of the Divine Mother and the pink ray of the calm the color of calm is pink but a very subtle golden pink when Jesus was uh, before he was crucified he said I do not leave you comfortless particularly when he was facing his ascension he said I leave you the comforter because it is the Father's good will that I do so what is the comforter it is the spirit or God's spirit what is the Holy Spirit or in Catholicism they refer to as the Holy Ghost it's the quintessence it's the essence of God's spirit so the the essence of your own spirit is connected to God's spirit so when you work with the Holy Spirit the color there's always corresponding color and, and, and sound always color and sound are not divorced if you see something and think there's no sound you are deluded and if you hear something and think there's no color involved you are again deluding yourself they are one in the same because it is the power of to do with the power of manifestation in your life you will manifest far quickly far more quickly in your life when you're calm and you generate or expand and expand like blowing a balloon a balloon expands when you blow it with your breath so when you expand the <laughs> the balloon if you like or the, the great bellows of the lungs through breathing you can expand the heart experience and that color is always a golden subtle pink like you get some of these roses that are the most delightful delightful pink that kind of pink Okay, very subtle sometimes almost white and yet it's pink but very distinctly so and then with the, the white that is in it because the white always denotes the pure um, uncontaminated spiritual light of Almighty God in his spirit so now if you're sitting in that poised uh, moment you can breathe gently with me and you breathe in and you take it to the top 
and you hold the count of three. If you are experienced, you can go and hold the count of eight. It depends on whether you are practicing your um, sadhanas. It's up to you. It depends on how you are prepared to do that. Some people can't and some people can. The asanas as well are very, very um, much around how long you hold the breath. Because the science of spirituality is it is the in-between it's the moment just before you breathe in again. It's the moment you breathe out. It's that space in between where you have contact with the Holy Spirit. This is why you are taught to hold the breath a little bit on inhalation and hold it again on exhalation. Because it's in that quiet moment that meditation begins. Meditation always begins in between breath. True, pure, divine meditation is found in between your breath. But nonetheless, breathe quietly sit quietly feel calm resonate with this glorious golden white pink around your whole aura but see it in your bloodstream see it in your whole body see it moving even into your head into the fine membranes around the brain and into the brain into your very eyes themselves into your lungs your whole bloodstream your the marrow of your bones hands and feet your spine all along and up and down the spine your spiritual centers from the base to the crown, the crown chakra, and also you can lo lovingly envelop this. You can be very, very actually generous with this light and truly envelop your whole crown and your third eye with it and your heart. And if you are astute enough, you will realize it's consciousness. This color and this light, this golden pink light, is the consciousness of compassion. It's the consciousness of compassion. You can make contact with the compassionate bodhisattvas you may not see with the physical eyes and the Buddhas by entering into this color and believing it's not just a color that's beautiful. It's consciousness. And you can enter in there and envelop your soul, your body, your mind, your entire auric emanation which extends nine feet above you nine feet below, nine feet on either side and nine feet in front of you and behind you. Yes, the human aura is very large. It's not diminished by any means. There are some who teach, unfortunately, incorrectly here. It is not some small, narrow little egg. Consciousness is round. It's spherical. Cells and atoms in your body are round. The planet is round. All right, there's a reason why it's round. Because the dynamics of this sphere is eternity. Okay, so when you see your auric being rather seed as a divine, rather large sphere in that calibration that you comfortably sit kind of right in the center, like you would visualize the earth herself being translucent, and you could sit inside the earth, the globe, the round globe itself, and experience the auric emanations of Mother Earth or Terra herself, you see. And there you can contact through breath God through His Holy Spirit. And so we feel the Holy Spirit of the Mahachahan envelop us because we suddenly become very calm, very calm in the palm of God's hand. <sighs> Breathe out. In, hold, one, two, three, out on four. Hold one, two, three, four, 
and in again and slowly out again and feel the warmth in your aura see it visualize it see your whole aura being saturated with this golden pink light see this golden pink light enveloping your entire nervous system and you can do that efficiently by moving it through your spine place it right into the very center of the spine right into the cervical center the base of the neck and into the abdulla oblongata into your brain and the two hemispheres of the brain and then you will find when you do that it will envelop and carry the message throughout your entire nervous system throughout your whole body and the constructs, the magnificent aerodynamic constructs of the human body. Therefore, inwardly, outwardly, inside out, you are saturated now in this calm, in the palm of God's hand, knowing that God is holding you, God is carrying you, because I can tell you, He is, she is carrying you right now. We make space in this moment to remove irritation, to remove the fear dynamics. What if, maybe, when, how, all the buts and maybes and if nots and whens that we just, they're not going to go away. You see, what people don't understand is you say, well, I can't do that. I'm so worried so much. No, no, no. You can do it. You can. You're going to put it to a side. If you have a stove and you're cooking on all four plates, you can manage all four plates, you know. You normally tend to the food that is actually um, more vulnerable to overheating and burning than the rest the others can kind of stew a little bit to the side and you work with that part that is very very vulnerable the most and you see you can manage in you, your four lower bodies you can manage in your consciousness and the one you must manage the most is your heart okay because you want your heart to be calm and not overboil with fear or freeze with fear if you overboil with fear you become very angry you freeze, you become very frightened, you see. We don't want any of this. It's not invited in here. These kind of energies in motion or emotions, not invited here. Please remember that energy in motion, emotion has nothing to do with your feelings. Your feelings are separate from that. Your feelings is how you deal with energy in motion. They're not the same thing. You feel now, you feel love, divine love. Because this pink golden white light is love it is absolute compassion which means it is devoid of any form of judgment condemnation or criticism it is pure love and that is who and what you really are is love I want you to see your aura around you in this divine sphere you're sitting right in the center with suspended in your aura yes suspended in the center there because remember I said to you your aura is nine feet below you as well so you are more or less suspended right in the center of the sphere of your consciousness which is the center of the universe and where the center of the universe is is God and if you are in the center of the universe you are in the heart of God because you're in the palm of his hand and his hands on extension of his heart O Lord God Almighty, Thou who art the creator of all things known and unknown, all systems of worlds and all celestial universes, 
Thou who has brought into manifestation all beings, known and unknown, all life elemental and unknown, the angelic kingdoms, the great and mighty Elohim, the solar logii and beyond, the great and mighty Buddhas, and even us, O God, Thou who art Thy children here, in the matter plane, in the physical octave, we have been sent forth from you through the power of your command. And, O oh God, my father, my mother, I return in the power of your hand. We, you hold me in the sphere of my divine immortality sealed forever in the cosmic blueprint of your love for me in the heart of your Holy Spirit. O oh Lord God Almighty, O oh Halo Him Divine, Mighty Archangels and Archei too, send forth now your legions into the world. Send forth now thine angels, that this love that I expand and generate in my heart with you, my father, my mother, I may send forth too to every man, woman and child on this planet right now. And, O oh, Father, it is not my concern whether they receive it or not, because I know by the power of your will, because I know that as you are in the heart of all, whether they receive you or not, they can instantaneously in one moment of your great fire breath receive this blessing. I ask of you to extend through my humble heart, hand held in your own, O oh, Father, that you guide me, that I may love my brothers and sisters as you have taught me to love one another indeed as you have in your divine lineage of the cosmic christ and to jesus our lord himself to learn to love one another as you have loved us feel this breathe it extend it resonate with it Feel it well up in your heart. If you feel tears come, let them come. But maintain your emotion, your energies in motion that come with this, so that when you feel it, you're not overwhelmed. You see, self-mastery is about maintaining. It's really about management, isn't it? It's about managing energy, learning to manage energy learning to work with alchemy so that we are not overwhelmed by energy and flooded in our feeling world. So we become time managers of energy. And the only way we can do that with balance, harmony and equilibrium is through the power of either the Christic or Buddhic consciousness in the heart of Almighty God. And when we learn to manage energy in motion, and we think of all the extremities of emotion, that are seething in the sea of samsara right now amongst mankind. Truly never a greater art was called forth now than the management of emotion. I am not these energies in motion, O God, that are moving and seething around the world in samsara. Yet, Lord, thou gavest me a heart, and in this heart I feel these emotions, and care not for them, my Lord. Teach me, O God, to manage them, that they do not overwhelm and manage me that I may become a divine conduit of light, that each time I sit in instruction, each time I sit in discipline, I become the disciple of your teaching, through my heart, through my consciousness, through the Christ and the Buddha, that I may become that extension of your will, that extension of your love, that extension of your compassion, 
and your mirth as well. Father, I know that Lord Maitreya is also Milifo, the laughing Buddha, and never a greater moment does he miss for that great belly laugh at the antics and semantics of humanity at this point in time. Teach me, Father, to laugh a little in the face of adversity, not because I am myself sarcastic or loose of nature, but, Father, sometimes a good laugh as well will deliver us out of the sting of our karmic experiences so that we can move on from them. Teach me, O Lord, to laugh gently with you and not at my brothers and sisters, for that is scorn, that is subjection to all kinds of critique, and I will not enter there, Lord. I will laugh with myself and not judge myself. I will laugh with humanity, and in that laughter I can give birth to joy and happiness and a deeper wisdom of understanding. For often, Father, wisdom does arrive in the laughter of little children. And in those precise moments when little ones laugh, we find the mirth of their merry joy so uplifting. And that in itself is the teaching delivered instantaneously. Our little children do often laugh at the ridiculous semantics and behavior of adults. And you know the thing is that children don't judge, so their laughter is never a criticism. It's just simple joy. It's just simple laughter at how silly we can often be because we pour so much serious egoic intent into things often blow them up out of all proportion teach me O oh father balance teach me equanimity that I may learn without balance I cannot have harmony and if I do not have harmony O oh Gautama beloved Buddha mighty Buddha Lord of the earth if I do not have harmony how can I sing how will I know how to sing your name as the sun rises in the morning how will I know how to sing quietly, my own soul to sleep in the peace of your love for me? Teach me to understand that wisdom comes in the face of the mother, as she often embraces us in the moment of our deepest need. And the mother can appear in, in many ways, through financial relief, through wisdom, through comfort, through teachings. The mother appears in many, many ways. And then we find that, in fact, many are our mothers, whether they are of the masculine race or not. They are still our mothers because they embrace that divine maternal instinct to always hold and nurture. It is the essence of the divine mother that nurtures the downtrodden, that nurtures the sick, that nurtures those that are feeling a little bit less than in life. Let me always be thy pupil, O Mother Divine. Let me always learn by your infinite tolerance, compassion, and mercy. For when I am tolerant of others' errors, I know that in my life tolerance will be offered to me. When I am a little short of the mark, and I need to feel that people will tolerate things I do or not do. O beloved Father, Mother God, Embrace all of mankind with all of this. Extend out now. Ho, beloved Archangel Michael, beloved Archangel Gabriel, beloved Archangel Chamuel, faith, hope, and charity occupy divines. Extend now into the world faith, hope, and charity, and let it envelop the whole of mankind in a divine bouquet that is truly like the consecrated rose of Sharon. It is truly like the birthing of the white lotus 
of buddhic awareness into the four levels of enlightenment that I may know what it truly is to be a divine being. I hold this light around you for a moment. I seal you in this light. You can always ask your higher self. You can always ask the angels abounding around you. You can always ask the Ascended Masters to seal this experience, to seal these meditations, so that you can, in the heart, in bodhicitta, you can return, in absolute bodhicitta, again and again and again to this point of reference, which will be held in your heart forever and forever and forever. And you can expand upon it each time you enter this meditation. You expand it a little more and a little more. And always asking, always asking that the fruits of your meditation are given for humanity to be benefited by. I seal you now in the name of the Lord of the world, Gautama Buddha. I seal you now in the name of the planetary Buddha and cosmic Christ, Lord Maitreya. I seal you in the heart of the cosmic Christ, Lord Jesus himself in the heart of the Divine Mother, in Mary, and in Kwan Su Yin. Peace. Be still. Peace. Be still. Peace. Be still. and know that I am God. I thank you, Ralph. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anakanima, for that truly wonderful meditation and prayer. Uh, it's so needed in this time. <coughs> so that brings us to the close of this Anakalema talk today and um, we'll be back here next week uh, we have these talks weekly and we will uh, always uh, present these podcasts on the podcast platforms so I say thank you once again to our beloved guest Anakalema and I thank you all for joining us today. And I thank you for uh, listening to Blue Lotus Radio. So, goodbye. <laughs>